Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the very best of bailiwick sport. Coming up with Guernsey's full Commonwealth team now named, we'll reflect on the 28-strong squad heading to Birmingham this summer. We'll also be talking netball as the island's Premier Division title race hots up and the prospect of off-island competition draws closer. I've certainly noticed it within the kind of last five seasons. There has been a dramatic change in the Premier Division, really, um, and that anybody can win. Um, obviously, Brezas are defending champions um, and we would obviously like to retain that title. What we are trying at the moment is, and what we are seeing is depth within our squads. Um, I think both teams have got juniors involved, which is really exciting. Um, and, you know, coming through the ranks and playing for first team. Um, and ultimately, that's what you want long term for your clubs. Plus, we'll pick out some of the other highlights of the last week and look ahead to what else is coming up. I'm Tony Kerr, alongside me this week, Gareth Aprevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingram. Hi, Tony. Uh, welcome, chaps. Great to see you. Hi, Tony. Nice. <laughs> yeah, not right. bad, mate. Not bad. <laughs> um, let's start with that Commonwealth Games um, team confirmation, shall we? Um, obviously, it's news we've been waiting for, and I'm sure a lot of people have been waiting for um, for quite a while. Uh, there was a small batch of, of athletes named a few months ago, but we now know um, the full 28. Um, I'll quickly go through them from athletics Cameron Chalmers Alistair Chalmers Peter Curtis Abby Galpin and Joe Chadwick um, four badminton players Stuart Hardy Elena Johnson Chloe Letissier and Emily Trebert um, Billy Lapoulin for boxing um, from cycling Sam Colvwell Seb Tremlett Mark Cox James Rowe and Mike Serafin uh, four bowlers Lucy Beer Rose Ozier Todd Prio and Matt Solway um, Eight swimmers, Charlie Joe Hallett, Ronnie Hallett, uh, his brother, Jonathan Beck, Sam Lowe, Tatiana Tostvin, Laura LaCroix, Orla Raby, Molly Staples and Josh Lewis um, representing us in the triathlon. Um, it took a while, um, by all accounts, to get to this um, team confirmation, um, some wrangling in the background by the sounds of it about the exact makeup and, and composition uh, of the squad. Um, I, mean, I guess, first of all, huge congratulations to all of the 28 um, who are going to be representing Team Guernsey this summer. Um, it is going to be a massive event. As I say, we did have a few uh, athletes named a few months ago, but you know, the, the, I suppose the delay in getting to this point has allowed um, some others to get in there. Notably, I, I suppose, um, Jamie, Joe Chadwick, who we've spoken about on the podcast recently, who's, who's had a stellar indoor season and um, yeah, good to see him involved. Yeah, um, yeah, one thing I do want to say is obviously it's been a very different qualifying window to previous games in that COVID has had an influence. Um, we were looking at beyond the A and B standards that would normally be the main part of the criteria. And I've selected certain people outside that. Um, Joe, he's been in fantastic form and he's only been able to compete over 60 metres effectively during the indoor season, like outside the qualifying window. And it's not a main Commonwealth Games event. But you can see from his form, he would be running insane times over 100 and 200 metres, looking at about A standard level. So it's nice that they actually looked beyond just using those standards over set distances and selected Joe. Because, yeah, he's a young, fast developing athlete and I'll say he's got great potential. Yeah, and you've spoken to Tom Druce um, from Guernsey Athletics uh, about that squad, got some reaction from him. Um, and, it, uh, you know, he said, I think that, that, you know, Joe could pull something out the bag um, in, in Birmingham. It's a great platform for him to be performing on. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I've, I'm hoping it will live up to hype and produce a pretty impressive performance. P piling on the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what do you make of the squad, Gareth? Obviously, it's been a while since we've won a medal, um, but there are, some, there are some good contenders in there, some strong names uh, amongst those 28, and, and 
yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have an eye on a few, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it when you look at um, like you say, Tony, this more than perhaps the original little batch, uh, the quality that we've got available to us in in certain areas is, is quite really phenomenal. When you've got guys like Cameron Chalmers and, and Alistair, his brother. Um, and also, you know, Josh Lewis. You've got people who are basically professionals in their field, and, and that's, the sort of, that's the standard you need to be at in Commonwealth Games. I mean, I've been lucky enough to attend one <coughs> for the press back in um, Melbourne, and um, it, you, you, it is really very much sort of the, the, the elite standard of international sportsmen and women at those events. Um, so to be on that same sort of stage as, you know, the best in Britain, best in Australia, best from Canada and across Africa and and sort of the Caribbean, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic achievement to be there. Um, you want to be there to compete as well. And the guys... Um, like uh, the Chalmers brothers, Sam Colwell obviously is also sort of professional level these days. Um, it's just great to be able to evaluate where they are as well and see just sort of how they measure up basically to to people of that of that ilk, really. Yeah, it's a it's a great opportunity for them. I mean, yeah, you know, you know, someone like Cameron obviously went to the Olympics last year in a GB vest. But also for him to be able to pull on the the Guernsey um, the Guernsey vest for that, you know, uh, and competing at such a high level thing you know that's probably a special a moment well for for these sports obviously it's the highest sort of standard you can compete at in a guernsey vest basically um obviously to go any higher you are representing great britain um so to get into a guernsey team going to the commonwealth games is is a fantastic achievement for, for anyone who gets to go um Obviously, it's, it, it's there, there's some um, debate as to how many should go for Guernsey. That's understandable. I mean, thing is now we have an allocation. I can I can understand why they want to fill it. Um, you don't want to potentially sort of shortchange yourself later on in future. Um, so. And as Jamie sort of rightly mentioned, with the COVID situation, it's been a very difficult qualification period. It's, it's hard to sort of um, show what sort of form you're in when you basically can't get off island for a lot of people. Personally, it's I'm not sure that we have 28 people capable of competing at Commonwealth Games level, if, if perhaps that's the wrong way of putting it. But um, the fact is we're, we're taking 28 and I wish them all the best. And um, it, it is a great showcase to show how good Guernsey is in on the international stage for a, an island of you know sixty three thousand people. We we do certainly punch above our weight. Yeah. Do you think there's some work to do in terms of sort of clarifying what the Commonwealth Games is when it comes you know, for Guernsey and what you know what yeah, it means? Yeah, I, I do think um, that I think there's sometimes a bit of a blurred vision between sort of like. For example, Ireland Games and Commonwealth Games, and you have to realise how big a step up it is. It's a massive, massive step up. Um, like I say, I think pretty much most sports in the Commonwealth Games, you, you're, you pretty much have to be a professional to be competitive at that level. Um, so we have got the likes, uh, like I say, of our athletes and sort of a couple of our cyclists and certainly... Um, a couple of our bowlers, I'd sort of pick out Lucy Beer. She's proven herself on the world stage before, you know, and she, she I think she'd probably have a great chance of being a medalist at, at any Commonwealth Games. She's, she's won a world title before. So um, we do have 
people sort of capable of being at that level. But yeah, it, certain sports, it's, it's hard to actually define a qualifying criteria. Obviously, athletics, swimming to a degree, I suppose, cycling with time trials and what have you. Um, you can look at times and it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a lot easier perhaps to sort of say who is a good athlete on their times. Whereas other sports, it, it's difficult to say what level you need to be at um, to actually get to the Commonwealth Games. And it's, it's one of those things that I wouldn't particularly like to have to sort of describe how good certain people have to be to get there. Um, do I think um, we have 28 people to be at that level? I would say no, but we're taking 28 and good luck to all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And Jamie, as I say, you've been getting a bit of reaction. You were down um, at the swimming gala at Beaux-Ajour over the weekend. Um, eight swimmers going this time, seven debutants and some young faces among there. But what an opportunity for them. And I suppose, as you highlighted, the fact that um, we've got four, um, four men, four women, um, yeah, strong relay opportunities too. Yeah, so it's not only the fact we've got eight swimmers, which is a major share of the squad, but it's the composition of that team. Um, the fact that we've got four men and four women, we've got so many options for the relays. And I actually believe the intention is to race the freestyle and medley relays for both genders. And there'll also be a new opportunity for the mixed relays, so we can send a squad or two into those and it'll give them like a unique opportunity to really compete as a team and yeah I hope they get the most they can out of that experience. Yeah the one thing I'll say about the swimmers it's obviously there's a lot of sort of potential there because it's obviously quite a young swimming team but you can almost guarantee that every one of those eight swimmers will go to the Commonwealth Games and come away with pretty big PBs because they will be so dedicated now um, now they've been now their selection is guaranteed and they're on their way um, you, you just know that their performances will pretty much outstrip anything they've ever done before and that, that's a great it's great for them to be able to do it on that stage July 28th is the opening ceremony uh, runs until the 8th of August so yeah a couple of months to go um, there'll be plenty of build up I'm sure in the, the pages of the Guernsey Press over that time we'll have, uh, certainly be speaking to um, lots of our athletes here on the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Uh, now, one of the men going, perhaps with a genuine um, medal hope, is boxer Billy Lepoulan. He was there in uh, Gold Coast in 2018, went there with, um, with some hopes of competing and, and perhaps uh, got a bit unfortunate um, in his first round fight, uh, split decision. Um, but he's obviously made big strides uh, in the last year, having told us basically come close to giving up the sport. Um, he was pulling on an England vest at the weekend and uh, coming out victorious, Jamie. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I mean, fair play to Billy. Uh, as you've touched on, he was not having the easiest time during lockdown. And yeah, he's been quite open about the fact he lost quite a bit of motivation for his sport. But he's come back stronger than ever in quite a short period. And obviously, the latest uh, spectacle for him was not only representing England, but actually winning via referee stops contest on his England debut against Scotland. So congratulations to him. Yeah, that is great to see. I mean, a hell of an achievement um, just to be sort of in the mix um, with the England amateur squad um, to win his first fight. Uh, I'm sure an extraordinarily special moment. And uh, that fire, if it was already burning strong, is now <laughs> roaring, I'm, I imagine, for, for Billy. Uh, he's got another um, tilt at the England 
amateur championships. Of course, he got to the final at the end of last year, um, but sort of almost straight back into action, isn't it, um, this month? And then, uh, yeah, the build up into to Birmingham, which is where he's from. Um, so it, I don't know. It's all kind of all, the stars are aligning, really, uh, for Billy um, and how amazing it would be if he could land that long-awaited medal. Um, right, that's it for part one. Uh, coming up next, we'll be talking netball. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. We're available wherever you get your shows, so do make sure to hit follow or subscribe uh, to get every episode delivered straight to you. Uh, now, it's fair to say there's a lot going on with Guernsey netball at the moment. Off the court, we've seen the appointment of the sport's first development officer and big changes to the way the sport is run. Uh, on it, the Premier Division title race is coming to the boil and the island's top players are looking forward to off-island competition for the first time uh, since the pandemic. Jamie, you've been following this title race closely and there was a very big match on Tuesday. Yeah, so we had a great match between in first and third on Tuesday night, and it was third place taking the honours. Uh, we had Blaze A scoring a hard-earned two-goal victory over Specsavers Lightning A, who are currently leading the division. And yeah, just in general, it's been really tight between the top three this season. Um, we've got less than a month to go, and still, theoretically, any three of them could win it. But yeah, I think in terms of a season, we're looking towards a two-horse race, most likely between Lightning A and Rezzers Green. And it's going to conclude with a head-to-head between those two teams, which, yeah, I'm sure that'll be a very exciting match to watch. To talk about all of that, um, Jamie and I were joined by the captains of those two clubs uh, in contention for the title, Don Abreu from Specsavers Lightning and Tiff Gervais-Brazier from Resolution IT Green. Tiff, Donna, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. No problem. Great to see you guys. Um, yeah, we've got a season that's kind of nearing a conclusion. It's been another, uh, well, it's been a challenging season, hasn't it, all around in terms of um, yeah, getting fixtures completed and, and getting the campaign done. Um, just give us a, a quick uh, sense of where you guys are at with your respective teams and, and as the title challenge kind of hots up. Yeah, sure. So, um, so, so I'm the captain of um, Specsavers Lightning um, and Tiff's the captain of um, Resolution. So uh, I suppose having both of us um, in today, we're um, at the moment, I think, um, based on Tiff winning her game in hand on level points. So um, league's quite exciting um, with, I think, four or five games to play. Um, it is still a three-horse race because mathematically Blaze could still also come into the equation because um, they beat us last night. Um, so, yeah, it's been a really, really exciting season. Yeah, brilliant. And how difficult has it been, though, with um, the COVID interruptions and, and still kind of COVID floating around to, to maintain some sort of consistency with the squads and the competition? It has been difficult, but um, I think as we've seen in the kind of the last three to four seasons, teams have gone through periods of injuries, unavailability, um, you know, people have got things on at a personal level, which means they haven't been able to make the same commitments. Um, But what it has allowed is for some really competitive games to go through the leagues. Um, I've certainly noticed it within the kind of last five seasons, there has been a dramatic change in the, in, well, Premier Division, really, um, and that anybody can win. Um, obviously, Brezzers are defending champions, um, and we would obviously like to retain that title. Um, but with COVID and two interrupted seasons, it is a bit stop-start. Um, and for, for whatever reason, you know, fitness, injuries, COVID, um, the cha- what we are trying at the moment is, and what we are seeing is depth within our squads. Um, I think both teams have got juniors involved, which is really exciting. Um, and, you know, coming through the ranks and playing for first teams. Um, and ultimately, that's what you want long term for your clubs. Yeah, and despite those challenges, you know, not having the, the Panthers in action over the last couple of years, has that kind of focused the mind on the domestic competition and actually kind of sorry, channeled that kind of competitive spirit into, into a really good contest? 
Yeah, no, I think so. Um, I think as Tiff said, any team at the moment can win and take points off each other. And even the, the lower tier, um, the B team, so to speak, um, they're performing really, really well as well. Um, so what's good is to see the youth come through. Um, you know, we fielded um, some C players um, in our last game, which was really great for them um, to put on a dress representing their A team. That's a really positive thing for them. So um, although it has been a bit stop and start and challenging, it has you know, there's also been positives. Yeah, Donna, from the point of view of your league campaign, I am aware, like in the previous season, you had some competitive games, but weren't necessarily getting the wins against the other like big three teams, like you had like Blaze and Rezas. Um, what has been the big development or like difference for you this season, do you think? Um, I think this season we've been more sort of there's been more unity um, yeah. getting spec savers on board has been great um, we managed to re-kit rebrand and I think people have just had you know th that morale boost um, we've also had some good signings um, a couple of the girls that play basketball have decided to come back to netball which has been really positive um, and just trying to, to develop um, sort of our wider squad and give more opportunities uh, yeah as you sort of progress through the season there's been a lot of big changes going on in terms of the setup with Guernsey netball um, um, kind of off the court. Uh, I mean, we can pick out a couple of the, the sort of the major things that, that you guys are looking ahead to. But just overall, is there a, a good feeling in netball that the sport's moving in the right direction? Definitely, I think um, the structure and the infrastructure of Guernsey netball is come on leaps and bounds. Um, we've had the appointment of Amy as development officer, and I think even since I started netball at you know 12, 13, those were conversations being had then. Um, and now I'm a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just been implemented but it is really exciting and I think to get netball in at grassroots and the technical kind of skills um, that Amy will bring through is a really exciting infrastructure and there has been kind of changes within the GNA um, from I want to say a corporate governance perspective but um, the structure is changing um, and I think that's only for, for the better for the long term um, of the sport and also for participation. For you guys, when you think back to, you know, your first sort of steps in netball and, and coming through um, and you look at the opportunities that are offered now for, for young players, uh, you have things, things come on into the sort of the modern era, you know, do you feel like that the next generation are, are getting a good grounding? Definitely. Um, I think we've obviously got Future Panthers, um, which is an exciting participation as well as kind of a channel for excellence in, in time um, and I think from participation levels that they've that's been taken up um, really well. Um, there's more. Um, I think Nina and Zola are running um, net blazers as well, which again, the, this technical this technical skills behind netball and the gamesmanship, um, and you know, generally getting out there to play at a young age wasn't really available to us. I mean, I didn't actually start. Uh, club netball outside of school until year seven or eight which is quite late really um, and th again that I think that was more um, the opportunity wasn't wasn't there to do that obviously Jill and um, has been around for many years picking up players but I think that infrastructure is really important now because it is at grassroots level yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's def the infrastructure is definitely there and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So I think we, we appreciate it's a two, three, four year plan, um, but the foundations are definitely there and Amy coming on board, I think is pivotal. You know, not having had Panthers netball for a couple of seasons now, presumably all eyes are on that returning, uh, you know, this winter. Um, but how big a loss has that been, I guess, for, for you guys as senior players, but also for, for those um, younger players who are kind of craving the extra competitiveness? I think um, not having the Panthers infrastructure is impacts you f in your gameplay. Um, I think the main thing that we take away from our UK leagues is the competitive nature and the physicality of it. Um, 
obviously when we've played for many seasons against each other, you know how other teams play and you adapt to that very quickly. Whereas in UK, in when you go to UK leagues, you don't have that the benefit of meeting these teams 15 times before you've played them. Um, and they do have huge depths within their squads. Um, you know, we've, we saw um, youngsters who were playing at nationals filling in in seniors as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's what we've been missing. And yes, the opportunity for for the young youngsters to kind of come through and get that exposure in UK leagues hasn't been there. Um, but I would say that the the as I said before, the Guernsey leagues are a good substitute in terms of the competitive ability out there. Um, and I think within the teams, especially in the Premier Division, there is a good mix of um, players. Um, and it, if you split it between kind of ex-Panthers and non-Panthers, I think you've actually got five or six teams in there that are really well spread. Um, and that's all you can really wish for, really. Yeah, and who stood out for you this season? I suppose you know from the more experienced side of things, but also you know juniors who've have really uh, kind of shone under that that, that scrutiny. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, um, Har- Harriet Savadon um, has been playing up in um, Reses A, and she's done a really, really good um, job. Emma Sykes um, has had um, a lot of of game exposure. Um, Evie Robinson and the likes um, of um, Evie McGall. We're using. Um, I would say I want to refer to them as youngsters, but um, we are really keen to get the girls' exposure um, and the Premier Division is really where it can happen for them um, whilst we haven't got kind of UK instructors. And I think um, a few of the the youngsters of maybe two, three seasons ago, obviously they were in an under-16 league and doing really well and that came to quite a quick halt with COVID. Um, so they were just kind of finding their feet um, and some of them were kind of playing for seven stars and being selected, um, I want to say headhunted um, and that and their training um, programmes have also come to a halt, I think, um, in the wider kind of youth super league set up in the UK, which is a bit of a shame, um, but we are definitely kind of involving them in where they should be in order to get them to where they can go. We've seen a lot of sports returning to the kind of, yeah, the sort of usual slate of interinsular competition and, and I suppose net will, by all accounts, um, will follow suit in May. Uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about the return to that? We're slightly nervous, I think, if, if we're being honest. Um, with the two-year break, um, obviously that's been challenging, um, but we have to start somewhere. Um, and, you know, I said earlier, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, so I think it's just part of trying to build and move forward and um, to look at the infrastructure um, and to take sort of, you know, each month by month. Um, you know, for example, we're now getting coaches involved with the under-14s, the under-16s, and trying to look at setups in that respect um, and working with the likes of Amy, um, Jeremy, who's come on board as well on the GNA. Um, so, yeah, I think we're committed to um, moving forward, um, but very much aware that it's... It's not going to be a quick fix that you know we have work to do. I think it's all relative to where Jersey are at in terms of interinsulars as well. Um, they have been playing week in week out in their respective leagues, which is quite a few ahead of us or where we were in the UK leagues. Um, so I think it's about managing expectations as well. Um, you know there will be a certain amount of pressure in any interinsular because of the Guernsey Jersey rivalry that has been uh, set over many many years Um, but you do have to be realistic and at the moment they have the exposure um, of a UK league um, of a full kind of coaching suite and setup that has preceded them for 10 years Um, so they have the players coming through and the exposure Um, but I think any interinsular is is an exciting prospect. 
obviously Jersey at the very top end, they've had the privilege of having some amazing, amazing players over the years. Um, you may have heard around lunchtime today that it was announced that Serena Goffrey had retired. Yes, I saw that, yeah. well, I mean, is she someone you've personally seen, even though she represents Jersey? It's kind of like a role model for what's possible in like Channel Lines netball. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, to play at Serena's level, um, I mean, she's one of the best players in the world. So, of course, you are going to use her as a role model. Um, when when I was younger, certainly, she used to run summer camps sometimes, um, even in Guernsey, and also was part of um, the Jersey and Trinchler setup for many years. Um, so, yeah, 100% she's a role model. And she has played a pivotal role for many years. And at some point, you do have to think at what, I mean, I would personally think that if I was her age with her credentials, um, you know, is it time for, for me to step back? Um, and she also, she will contribute to, to England netball in so many more ways, uh, whether she is playing on the court or not. Have you played against her? Have you played, uh, you seen her, you know, in the flesh? So I think Serena's the, I think Serena's the year below me. So um, back in the under-14s and 15s, I do remember a, a young Serena. I think she was playing wing defence at the time and always thinking, wow, she's amazing. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's certainly done very, very well and um, is definitely a role model for, for Jersey and Guernsey. Um, and, it, and it's so great to see what she's achieved. Anyway, yeah, lots to look forward to uh, in terms of the future then of, of Guernsey Netball. Just in the short term as we yeah, head into this sort of finale to the local season, um, yeah, how do you see it playing out? What are the big moments to look out for? Uh, no, so really excited about it. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some more twists and turns. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just see. But um, it's just so great to have such a competitive league and to, to go into those matches knowing that they're going to be really, really good, high quality, um, well-contested games. It doesn't really matter. Obviously, it matters as a result because we step on court as friends and uh, ultimately to win. Um, but at the same time, we appreciate that seasons do ebb and flow. And um, it, yeah, we're not going to want to hand over, <laughs> hand over the trophy at the end of the day. But um, we're working with what we're working with. And I think actually the, the broader um, depth in our squads and experience that we're giving to, to players and that they're able to get within the competitive league um, speaks volumes. Obviously, right at the end of the season, we do have a big head-to-head -head between your two respective teams. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, how are things shaping up ahead of that and how competitive do you expect that game to be? Uh, I, think we'll, I think we'll just go into that game like we go into every game. I mean, we, we, we go into every game knowing it's going to be challenging and difficult. That's what's so good about the league. Um, potentially, it will be a decider, but there's a long way to go yet. Um, there's another four or five games. Uh, I mean, we've got a very hard game next week um, against versus Black. And um, this, we have two unavailable for that game that I know about already. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, I think there'll be more twists and turns. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Yeah, well, best of luck for the run-in. We'll mark our cards for that fixture. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming in. No, no pleasure. Thanks for having us. Tiff Trevace Brazier and Donna Breo there. Um, yeah, exciting title race in store. We'll be keeping a close eye on that one for sure. Um, we mentioned Jersey Serena Guthrie there, Gareth. What an incredible career she's had. I mean, how high up the list of CI sports people um, does she rank, do you think? Um, I'd probably suggest... Within the top 10, Tony, I mean, it's been an extraordinary career. It's um, it, when you sort of saw the the news this week when she announced her retirement and just the, the sort of the tributes that flowed in for Serena, it just shows how high a regard she's held in world netball. And um, she's been an absolute star for England. Um, 
she's captained England on many occasions and to be able to do that from sort of like a, I don't want to say a lowly Channel Islands base but I mean we're, we're a pretty small fish in, in a big pond and um, Serena has just led the way and it's, she's just been a real inspiration for sort of netball players across the Channel Islands and um, she's she always comes across just as a really grounded individual and I think she's just been been great for the sport in both Jersey and Guernsey to be honest. Yeah absolutely massive congratulations to her um, on her career and uh, the news as well that uh, that she's going to be a mum so uh, yeah all the best to Serena um, right before we go let's just have a look at what's coming up over the weekend Gareth where are you going to be? Uh, yeah I'll be watching Raiders on their home return they're playing against Clifton who are one of the um, basically the four titles contenders now in National 2 South um, Raiders were away at who are now uh, Red Ruth who are now leading following their win last week against Guernsey um, I know Jordan Reynolds will be wanting a bit of a response to that performance. He wasn't overly impressed with his guys, but I mean, it's a really tough trip down to Cornwall and um, Red Ruth had sort of conditions in their favour in the first half and they, they used them to the fullest extent and to, to be leading for 33-5 at half time, it was always going to be a, a mountain to climb for Guernsey after that. I, um, Jordan's very much a perfectionist and he, he hates losing, but um, I'm... In, in the great scheme of things, losing away at Red Ruth is no um, is no embarrassment. So, uh, but I think um, this weekend with the home crowd against Clifton, I think we could pull off a bit of an upset there because Clifton are currently fourth, but there's literally about three or four points between the top four, so that they'll be a quality side. Um, but we we tend to. Um, raise our game at home against these big sides and um, I think it should be a really good game um, just before that the um, Guernsey ladies are in action as well it's a double header at Foots Lane on, on Saturday so fingers crossed for um, two Guernsey wins yeah it's a busy week down there as well isn't it because um, yeah one of those games that got uh, postponed from earlier this season um, the visit of Barry St Edmunds has been rescheduled for next Friday so um, two games in Six days. Yeah. Um, Friday and, night under the lights. That's, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, I think that's quite a good bit of, uh, perhaps a good marketing ploy in its own way because um, it won't clash with sort of like the, the last round of the Six Nations on the Saturday and um, fingers crossed the weather will be all right and uh, it, we've got two, two home games on the trot and they should be two very exciting games as well. Yeah, plenty to get their teeth into there. Jamie, what are you up to this weekend? Um, this weekend as such will be a quieter one for me, but I think, yeah, it's worth saying um, off the back of last week's big netball game, we've got a important top of table basketball game on Monday between Lamont Sense and Skipton. I'm sure that will be another really close contest. I think in both sports, there have been really competitive rivalries in the top flight. And again, that's another title race, which proved to be quite exciting. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, keep us posted on that. Um, we'll leave it there. Coming up next week, we'll be talking softball um, and uh, I'm sure plenty more besides. So keep an ear out for that one. Uh, for now, though, we'll leave it there. Have a great weekend, guys. See you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.